Welcome to Run Out Grooves. It's a sports podcast about music and a music podcast about sports. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Run Out Grooves. I'm Dave Fonseca, and I am joined by your least favorite lupine, Wolf Rambats. Wolf, what's up? How's it going? I want to let everyone know that I'm okay. There was a bloodless coup, but Dave is letting my family stay in the country, so we're going to be okay. That's all right. He is. Uh, he has been exiled to uh, a small uh, two-bedroom in the uh, Inland Empire, but that's where he likes to be anyway. Today, to celebrate the release of his new biopic, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, we are appreciating American pop culture's beloved court jester, The Only Way We Know How, by taking his work way too seriously and running through a run-out groove-style song graft. To do it, we are welcoming stand-up comedian slash Weird Al superfan slash a man who is nerdy in the extreme and whiter than sour cream, Dennis Koch Jacobs. Dennis, welcome to Run-Out Grooves. We'll get to the draft in a moment, but I wanted to start by giving you a chance to share your Weird Al CV. So what got you hooked on Weird Al and how deep does the obsession really go? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, thank you, gentlemen, for having me. I am incredibly excited to chat with you and to talk about the weird one. I've been a fan since literally as long as I can remember. Like when people say, name your top five artists, Weird Al's in the first two all the time. The first cassette I ever bought was even worse. (laughs) The first CD I ever bought was Bad Hair Day. I've seen Al, I was counting it up, I've seen him nine times so far, including his most recent tour, which was uh, the self-indulgent tour that had no parodies. It was all his originals. Um, And he was here in LA at the Wiltern. I saw him both nights. Let me tell you, it was worth it because it was two completely different set lists. Nice. It was awesome. I literally, I, I, I love him to death. If you'll allow me a moment of pure indulgence, this I'm so sorry, listeners, as this is an audio medium, but let Dave, let me just show you. And Wolf, here you go. I'm just going to take you just, just pivot real quick. You can see that wall is all weird out. A wall of Al. Wow. So that's a, uh, that's a, like a one of a print, like fat, like it meets the incredible Hulk uh, thing. That is my weird Al Yamaka that he signed. Um, that's, uh, an, a print that's got Al holding Grogu on Pride Rock. Um, and then a picture of when I met him with my son and then like the, an evolution of Al. Just to, to interject real quickly, you have a, you have a, a signed Yamaka. Weird Al is not Jewish and yet Weird Al is absolutely a Jewish institution. Can you explain why that is? Yeah. Let me tell you, I don't think, I mean, and spoiler alert for any of the kids listening, as a Jew myself, finding out Weird Al was not Jewish must be how every kid who finds out Santa Claus isn't real. Like, that had to be the same feeling that I had. I don't know. Like, I, he checks every single box. He's leaving breadcrumbs, too, whether it's, you know, yeah, pretty fly for a rabbi or the, like, even the like, Amish Paradise has the, has the, ah, at the end a- of it. That, absolutely. Like- <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's so... Like, I, I still don't believe it. I don't want to believe it. You know, we will take him if he just woke up one day and said, like, hey, you know, I think I'm in the member of the tribe. I, I know I know, I know. Judaism is a non-proselytizing religion, but I think you can make an exception for weird Al. Yeah, a million percent. Also, if anybody gets uh, uh, a little um, a little tired, I have some Jackson Park espresso right here. So if you guys need, I'll just brew us up a cup. I'm ready to fucking go, boys. I'm so excited. You mentioned you mentioned uh, your son earlier. Uh, he is right in this in smack dab in the middle of the L demo. So have you indoctrinated him to the cult yet? 
A million percent. Uh, not only have I indoctrinated him, I took him to, he met Al, as that, that picture that I showed you, he met Al way earlier in life than I ever did. Um, I've already taken him to his first show. Um, he knows a lot of the words to a song that I think I'm almost a million percent is going to get drafted here later. That's a bit on the longer side. <laughs> and uh, as as like a good parenting note to myself, I was like, I mean, this like he really wanted to go see him. And the concert, literally, it was no parodies. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to like be into this enough, like if there's enough songs. And he knew so many. And I was just like, oh, I'm doing the good job. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in it to win it. And I think it's, it's really cool, like going to an Al show and you see every single age, every single age is represented at one of his shows. It is fascinating. Yeah, it actually, that leads to my next question. I'm just curious why you guys think he's been able to remain not only beloved, but kind of above the fray in a pop culture landscape that really likes to slaughter its sacred cows. Just, I've never seen anyone come for Weird Al. I think that's, there's a pretty good reason for it. I think a couple of things have happened. One, he's he's really not controversial. So that just helps right off the bat, Right. I think it's really funny they get into it in the movie, but like the Weird Al bump is also a real thing. And I will I will say a song a title now that may come up later, but I don't know if you guys heard the story about when um, uh, Ride and Dirty won the Grammy. Did you hear about yeah. this? Yes, yes. So when Ride and Dirty, Al and Chameleon Air are both at the Grammys and Chameleon Air thanked Al for doing White and Nerdy because it solidified Ride and Dirty as the rap song of the year. Chameleon is a smart guy. He's a very, uh, Chameleon is a very savvy artist. I, I, I'm sure you guys have read the articles about how he's on the verge of actually becoming a billionaire because of, of some wise investments he made. But it's not surprising to me that someone like that would recognize the cultural cachet that comes along with the Weird Al stamp of approval. And it's kind of, I mean, Coolio, who recently passed, was sort of lamenting later in life that he didn't understand that in the moment when it came to Amish Paradise. I think the other thing too that we should we should recognize is that since he's been around for so long, and especially becoming a mainstay in the '80s, I think what you're seeing now are a lot of the you know folks that were younger then that are now making television shows and movies who have revered him since you know they were kids. I think being able to you know that's why he's sticking around in bigger ways. You know, you see like Stranger Things um, and like people like Lin Manuel Miranda and the people who truly just love him and aren't afraid to say it, like. I think we've also gotten out of the if you like Weird Al, it's not cool phase anymore, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very happy about. So, yeah. <laughs> Al, is, Al is back now because of the movie, which I have to say, I, I don't have Roku, so I haven't had a chance to to check it out yet, but I'm very excited to see it. I did rewatch two of my favorite uh, Weird Al pop culture uh, pieces of uh, history this weekend, which was the VH1 behind the music. Oh, it's fantastic. So Yes. And uh, and UHF, which is one of two DVDs I owned in high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I what I'm hoping is like if if this is like so Al's back to making movies now, maybe like right after UHF came out, we had a great run of Weird Al albums. Maybe we'll get another run coming up soon. Uh, so I, I would I would love to get, a you know, another run of new Weird Al music. Oh, I'd be so excited. It's also crazy because he signed. He finally finished that. He had a 14 record deal contract. And so he finally finished that um, with mandatory funds. So I'd love to see him just literally do whatever he wants. 
Yeah. All right. So if we're all feeling warmed up, let's take a little bit of break and we'll come back and we'll draft some songs. Want an inside look at the music industry? Join Corey, Curtis, Holly, and me, Aaliyah, as we interview music professionals and go over hot topics in the industry. Listen to C Squared on Spotify today and get the knowledge you need to market your music or just learn more about the artists you love. All right. Anybody who's had their fall slash winter ruined by fantasy football knows how this works. We're drafting Weird Al songs snake draft style. Dennis, as our honored guest, you will have the top pick in the draft. Wolf, you've got the second slot and I will draft last. We'll do seven rounds, giving us a chance to make a Weird Al top 20 with one to grow on. So, Dennis, you are now on the clock. Gentlemen, first, I I don't know where you are. It's getting a little bit warm in here, so I'm just going to just... Just real quick. Uh, <laughs> once again, I know this is not a visual medium, folks. But there's a parody t- t-shirt right there. This is Weird Al in the Amish Paradise look in the <laughs> Outcast album cover. I'm taking oh, Amish Paradise. Brilliant. I'm okay. All right. This is a, a fascinating pick because I was super aware of Weird Al before this song came out, but this is the song that turned me on to Weird Al in a big way. And one of the, like the first song that I memorized every single word to, and it was sort of a, a like rite of passage to rap it in the schoolyard. But why is this your top pick? First of all, it's my go-to karaoke song. Not only is it my go-to karaoke song, if they don't have this version and they do have Gangster's Paradise, I will do the Weird Al words <laughs> over the Gangster's Paradise track. Um, same kind of thing. You know, this came out, you know, like late, later elementary school for me, somewhere in that in that world where I was just like, this is so cool. This is so fun. Like, Gangster's Paradise was such a big song at the time, too. So to do this, it was so wildly funny to me. Um, and like I said, I was obviously, you know, aware of Al before then, but even being aware of him before, like felt kind of like underground and mind you, like a small, small town in Florida where I grew up, like underground was not really an option. So when this came out, it was like, oh, everybody knows the guy that I like. Like that's that to me, that was exciting as opposed to like, how dare you all. And it's so iconic. Even though uh, Off the Deep End and Alapalooza were pretty big and, and comebacks, Al still seemed very 80s. And this was his like definitive 90s statement, I think. Is this the best Weird Al music video? Oh, that is. A f- I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here. I like the white and nerdy video because it has Key and Peele in it. So it's kind of like a good little Easter egg at the beginning there. Yeah. Actually find the Gump video pretty funny too. But this is probably the most like the best realization of the concept, I suppose. Oh, that's a real tough one, Wolf, because you've got like the smells like teen spirit has a cow, which is really fun. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, a couple of others that I'm thinking of. Um, we'll see if it comes later, but tacky. Has I mean, a fat, great I mean video. fat is, is fat great. Is, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yo, ding dong, man. Ding dong. <laughs> ding dong, hey, yeah. ding dong man. <laughs> I don't know. I would say top three at least. Yeah. All right. So with that, Wolf, you are now on the clock with the second pick of the draft. Who is your Kevin Durant for the Weird Al draft? 
I feel so nervous about this because I have not interacted with actual Weird Al fans. So I don't know how wild my opinions are. <laughs> yeah. But for the second pick in the Weird Al draft, I am taking Dare to be Stupid. Yes. From the Great album. Pick. Yes. Dare to be Stupid. Yes, yeah. but also fuck you because that was my top pick. Was it really? Oh, I really thought your pick was something. That's huge. Great. God, it's such a good song. Wolf, do you want to tell the Mark Mothersbaugh story or? or uh... I mean, I'm just going to splice it in. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I've always been a huge Devo fan. They've always been one of my very favorite groups. Uh, and every once in a while, I do what I call style parodies. I will do a song which is not a parody of a particular song, but it's, it's an original that's very much in the style of a particular artist or group. And I, I played the tape for Mark Mothersbaugh back when it came out, and uh, he seemed to enjoy it. He was like, wow, that's a really cool synth sound. I wish we could get that. I was in shock. Uh, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. And he, was, he seemed to enjoy it. He could have been lying, but I don't know. He sort of re-sculpted that song into something else, and um, I hate him for it, basically. Uh, so talk about it, because this is obviously like a great Weird Al achievement. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think you could make a case that this is like the Weird Al MO and song form. It is everything that's great about the man distilled down to four words. Dare to be stupid. Yeah. yeah. It parodies maybe my favorite Devo album. 1982's Oh No, It's Devo. Like, that's good. That song absolutely bangs. And... I did not know this until I looked this up today. This was released as a double A-side with The Touch by Stan Bush for the Transformers The Movie. That's what a moment! What a moment in that pop culture insane. history that was. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, to, to reference the uh, the Mark Mothersbaugh quote, basically, his opinion was he took a Devo song and he made the best Devo song there ever was, essentially, is what Mark Mothersbaugh said and was agog over the synth sound this is like this must be really frustrating to artists that weird al who basically takes music as a big joke and made the best new wave song of the 80s his band i think are the best musicians out there like they have to play every type of genre so well and this song like to see them do this this early as kind of like a cool foreshadow of like things to come that they were going to produce um and execute um i love also like it's you're totally right wolf like dare to be stupid is <laughs> like it's a motto it's a mantra it's yeah. you know and it's a fucking great song dude i had a because i had this on my list i had a, a, a quick thought that i want I'll, I'll, I'll run this theory by you guys now that there's sort of like five different types of weird al songs there is the the parody there's the style pastiche there's the sort of the epic the uh, the Albuquerque biggest ball of twine in Minnesota type songs. Yep. There's like the jingles, Georgia the Jungle, Weird Al show theme song, etc. And then there's the song where he'll just beat a joke into the ground and just like tear at it from every single angle and stretch it out. And I think so. Obviously, Dare to Be Stupid is a musical accomplishment because it's it's this take on Devo that is fully immaculately realized. But it's also two types of Weird Al songs together. It's the beating a joke into the ground until it's like funny again. 
mixed with the, a really pitch perfect style pastiche. So yeah, great pick. That is a, that's an awesome song. Uh, with that, I am now on the clock. And with the third pick in the draft, I'm picking a Weird Al song that doesn't appear on any Weird Al full lengths. It is Pac-Man. His his parody of the Beatles' Taxman, uh, as Run Out Crew's listeners know, I am a massive Beatles junkie. But so what I like about this song is that somewhere around Poker Party, Al stopped doing accordion on his parodies, and it sort of was like more focused on really nailing the uh, the sound of the band and sort of blending into contemporary pop music. But this is. When I, uh, rewatching the behind the music, I feel like Weird Al was kind of locked in his bedroom until he was like 21 years old, almost <laughs> by his parents. And this is the sound of a kid who spent a lot of time by himself in his room, like experimenting and trying to make himself laugh and imagining what his future as a pop musician would be like, just throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck and seeing what was funny. So you have the accordion sounds, you have sort of like the... You have the Pac-Man music being interpolated through the guitar solo. Yeah. Uh, it's just got, there's just so much ear candy on a song that was probably recorded on a four track in a bathroom at a college. But uh, yeah, I love this one. This is my top pick. I am uh, a little speechless. I'm not going to lie. Um, not only did I not expect this to be the, your number one pick, I didn't expect this to go. It is so niche and, but like, truly lovely it's very run out if i may be so <laughs> um so bold but it's such I, you're totally right dave like you feel this really awesome like authentic you like kid who gets to play a little bit um coming through the song is this better than the ruddles <laughs> that's a good question i feel like this and the ruddles are doing like a different thing almost you know because like this is not to say that the Ruddles was biting satire per se, but this is certainly more loving than the Ruddles. Yeah, that's fair. So I am still on the clock because we're doing snake draft style and I'm going to go a little more conventional for my next pick because I just love the groove on this one. Uh, my next pick is I Lost on Jeopardy. So as Dennis already mentioned, you got some killers in this band. And I think Steve J is probably like the, the prodigy in the group. So at this, in this era of sort of like early to mid eighties, you still had like pop music was still heavily reliant on these really, really talented studio bass musicians who kind of like came out of the disco and funk era. And so you had this pop music that would just subtly have these insane bass parts on it. And so you get to hear like Steve J, who is a bass prodigy, just go to work on this tune. Yeah. So, I mean, musically, this is one of my favorite Weird Al tracks. Do kids today know who the Greg Kinn band 
still is? I don't think so. No. Does anyone no, have any familiarity not. with like Jeopardy the song? Like this is one of these like songs <laughs> that people don't realize is like a dead on song parody anymore, yeah, right? That our yeah. loves in Jeopardy. Yeah. 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 And the other thing here is like, so this is a Je- this is sound about Jeopardy. It does not mention Alec Trebek. It mentions Art Fleming. Yep. Yeah. Because Jeopardy was off the air for like four years at this point when he made this tune. And then it went back on the air like three weeks after this song came out. My question is, did Weird Al save Jeopardy? Look, man, the Weird song? Al bump, it, it's it's global. <laughs> it worked for Jeopardy. It worked for Chameleon Air. Yeah. Um, I also love, I love the like the breakdown, right? Where the yeah, you know, yes. comes in and announces you. Yeah. Love- yeah, it's got a um, it's got like a shades of guess that fish, a wheel of fish on it. Wheel of like fish, a, you yes. win nothing. <laughs> you win nothing. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, so Wolf, you are now back on the clock. We are uh, entering the fifth pick of the draft now. Okay, I am torn because I definitely thought a song that is very high on my board was going to go, and I almost want to choose it. But now you want to see the medicals and make sure there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make sure you clear concussion protocol and everything. Yeah. Ask them all the important questions. Is your mother a whore? <laughs> Was he caught smoking weed in a gas mask? Is that what happened to the song? <laughs> so I'm not going to take that song because I, I got to stick with how I ordered this. I'm going to choose Jackson Park Express oh, from Mandatory. You mother. Baby. <laughs> oh, I'm so mad. I gave her a look that said, Life is funny, you never know what's in store. By the way, your hair is beautiful. I bet it smells like raisins. So this is this is one of the better Al epics. I like to call this song Cat Stevens but Good. <laughs> <laughs> And like it just has banger after banger line over and over all the way down the lyrics. Two that I have isolated. Then I glanced down at her shirt for a second in a way that clearly implied I like your boobs. Very good. Yep. Yep. Also, I love. Oh, I'd like to remove all your skin and wear your skin over my own skin, but not in a creepy way. The necro pants. (laughs) So good. Can you can you kind of talk about so because I, I had mentioned my theory that you know the epic is a type of Weird Al song. What do you what do you love about the Weird Al epics? I just love the Shaggy Dog story. Did you um I, I, not to not to get into like kind of spoiling you know future picks here, but obviously you rank it above Biggest Ball of Twine and and Albuquerque, another another big one. Sort of, do you see those songs as like kind of kindred spirits? Yeah, definitely. Like I think like the the good. Al albums have to end with a, a seriously big epic. And sometimes it's a swing and a miss, which I might actually draft one of those swings and misses just because I'm kind of fond of it. But yeah, like it's definitely part of the entire Weird Al package, at least from my vantage point. Dennis, what's your thoughts on the on the the epic form of, of Al, which is something that I think that the average person doesn't, doesn't realize. really know about? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, Jackson Park Express is my favorite of the epics. Period. The end. Well, we can. Um, this is now. I was hoping I was able to put that up uh, on the on the back end there for third, but alas, it's so fun. I love that 
I love that you get to, there are new lines you hear every single time when he does a song that is that is this long that is this layered. Um, so it has a real great like active re-listen quality to it, which I think is is wonderful. You know, when he was doing um, you know, that most recent tour, he would only pick one of these to end with, right? You can't do two or three of these like eight to twelve minute songs, you know, in your shows. But I think they're I think you're right, David. It gives that like to show the range that he has too. And I think also to like his audience, right? Like, are they going to stick around and really enjoy something that's going to be this long? And like, yes, of course they're into the ridiculousness, but like sometimes ridiculousness works really well in three minutes, but like it is terrible in nine minutes and Jackson Park Express is great. And it's just kind of like, it also has like the easy listening component to it too, which is, which is fun. So hell of a pick wolf. All right, Dennis, you are on the clock. All right, well, then, for fear of not getting the other things that I need in, his, in this draft, gentlemen. Um, okay, I'm going to take, I'll take the other one. I'm going to take uh, Albuquerque. Way back when I was just a little bitty boy, living in a box under the stairs in the corner of the basement of the house half a block down the street from Jerry's bait shop. You know the place. Oh, yeah, Okay. Talk to me about Albuquerque because I love this song. So Albuquerque, I think, I I don't know if anybody will end up with Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota that came out before Albuquerque. Albuquerque is from the uh, Running With Scissors uh, album, which is one of like probably top two of my favorites. It is long. Uh, It clocks in, I think, around 12 minutes, just a hair shy of there, if I remember correctly. It is, I think, the most ridiculous one that he has done just on like bits and pieces that happen in it there is a through line story which is completely batshit crazy and i will tell you uh when he did when he did this live he he stopped halfway through and restarted as a bit (laughs) so the dude did it for 18 minutes it was the most epic thing in the world but I just love it. I love that, like, it also has become, like, this big calling card for, like, the big Al fans, you know? Like, people, like, really want to hear Albuquerque because it is that next level. You know, it's a style parody, um, not a direct parody. And uh, it's so, of the Rugburns, and it's it's so fun. I just love saying waka waka doo-doo, yeah, when that part comes on. Yes. When I was, uh, so this album came out in 99 so it was between my freshman and uh sophomore year of high school i believe and i i put this on the cassette and when i was training for the cross country season in the summer i listened to running with scissors every day that summer and yeah albuquerque was the song that would get me through the last you know 15 minutes of of my run every morning it just feels like home i don't know it's something about that song just like has it very like being kind of young, awkward, pre-adolescent loser, it just felt like Al Yankovic was there for me. <laughs> yes. That snorkel was like a snorkel to me. Like, <laughs> come right. on. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf, thoughts on Albuquerque? What Black Rose Immortal is to Opeth fandom, <laughs> yes. Albuquerque is to Weird Al fandom. So I had a fun fact about this song. So there's a laugh at the end of the song. Do you know who's doing the laughing and why they're laughing? No. Al said, quote, that's Jim West laughing. I thought it'd be a good way to end the album. It's cracking up because of the stupid chord he played at the end of the song. 
Aw. Amazing. I love that kind of stuff. Just dudes uh, laughing about chords. <laughs> just, just chord <laughs> chuckles. Dennis, you get it back to back. Now you're up again. Okay. This is a tough one. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave a, a real big one on the board and see if I'm lucky enough to have it come back my way, but I'm going to take one that's very like true and original to me. And that is uh back to bad hair day. The night Santa went crazy. Oh, had that on my board. Of his true originals, it is my favorite. It's the concept is so out there. Also, that's it's kind of the thing where like Al doesn't curse, right? People always just, you know, I, you know, we talked about like my kid listening to it, right? Like Al is like family friendly and like we've been doing this thing. The types of reindeer murder <laughs> that is described in this song, right? Or the way that like he kills the elves. Um and there's two different endings to the song. There's a darker ending to the song um, where I'm pretty sure where Santa Claus dies at the end as opposed to like getting locked up. Yeah. Al does not curse, but you know, like we mentioned before, you know, spending so much of his young life locked in his bedroom by his parents. Yeah. He's got a dark side. <laughs> pretty and, dark. And uh, there was nothing better about being 12 years old than like loading up Mortal Kombat 2 and listening to this song and just engaging in gratuitous violence. Yes, yes, a million percent, yes. Can we talk real quick about the CD single, which might be my favorite CD single of Christmas music ever? A-side, The Night Santa Went Crazy, B-side, Christmas at Ground Zero. <laughs> Zero, yes. <laughs> uh, home I love, for the holidays. I, I love Weird Al's willingness to go back to a well. You know, like, yeah. he's not the kind of guy who's like, I've already made a food song. I'm not going to do it again. He's like, you know what? I'm really good at making horrifying Christmas music. I should do this more often guys like i'm gonna make a food album that's how many food songs i'm going to do uh yes it also uh it did uh it's educational i had to look up what a german luger was the first time that i heard this that's right that's so there you go uh all right yeah um i'm a big fan (laughs) i just the lyrics here just tickle me (laughs) now vixen's in therapy and donner's still nervous it's just I'll never forget. (laughs) All right. Well, if you are on the clock. Okay. I'm going to take a big swerve here. I'm going to dip into the deep cuts. And I don't know how you're going to feel about me after I take this song. I might have to start a new podcast called uh, Chord Chuckles. (laughs) But here we go. I'm taking Slime Creatures from Outer Space. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great bit. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Another selection from Dare to be Stupid. Run for your it would have been available in the seventh round, but this is a great pick. This is, again, this is like the Patriots taking Cole Strange in the in their first round, but he still has a chance to be productive. <laughs> okay, so this is a type of song that I, and I, I put... Radio uh, Attack of the Radioactive Hamsters from a Planet Near Mars is sort of in this genre too. So why Slime Creatures? Number one, it is such a good knockoff of Thomas Dolby. Mm-hmm. It is like what Dare to be Stupid is to Devo, this is to Thomas Dolby. Mm-hmm. 
Number two, it has this theremin on it. So shout out to the brutal death metal band Gigan. How's it going, guys? What's up? And number three, like my favorite Weird Al mode is this full on demented. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want to drink from the fire hose. And yeah. this yes. song, <laughs> this song allows me to drink from the fire hose. Yes. So, well, as we've kind of like been finding as we've been going through the podcast together, you you got into a lot of what I would consider not exactly age appropriate music when you were when you were young. You know, <laughs> I mean, stuff that was beyond your years. But did Al get you into anything, or were you sort of aware of Thomas Dolby before you heard these songs? Like, what order did it happen in for you? So the weird thing is, is like I'm not a big Weird Al guy. Uh-huh. Like, I think when when I got to the crossroads. And there was that I had to look down both directions and see which road I was going to travel. I walked the ween path. Uh, sure, sure, that's fair. Path. Yep. But so when you had, when you heard Slime Creatures, had you heard Thomas Dolby already? Yes, because I think I got to Dare to Be Stupid far later when I was doing deep digging into like the albums that came before. Because I believe my first Weird Al album that I heard all the way through was Bad Hair Day. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that would be '96. That probably checks yeah. out. Yeah. Definitely was aware of Weird Al before then, but definitely didn't check out an album from uh, like top to bottom. But yeah, like this this song just absolutely slaps. There's definitely songs that like transcend the joke, and I think this one transcends the joke. Yeah, aligned. All right, so gentlemen, I am on the clock now, and I am going to round out the trifecta of Weird Al epics, and I will be taking the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. There it is. I think I do rank Albuquerque as my favorite of this style, but this one I love because I I recognize it so clearly as an ode to Gordon Lightfoot that you just you really kind of feel it in your bones when you when you listen to it. And uh, this song also does something that I think is very important for young weird people, which is to treat them like adults in the manner of references they make. So like I always love The Simpsons because The Simpsons like wasn't concerned about making Menachem Begin jokes. You just assumed you would look it up at some point. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I I like that this has like a, a Slim Whitman and a 53 to Soda reference in it. I have no idea what those things are, but they sound funny. Yep. You know, so it's sort of like it works in the opposite direction for a young person. And I do appreciate Weird Al for a chronicler of sort of like the desperation of your adolescent years of being trapped in the back of like a, of a car with your parents driving to see some monument and just, I don't know. I, to me, it's like a song about boredom and it really just nails it. And uh, yeah, this is um, it's, I, I love this type of weird out song and I, and I love biggest ball of twine. Yeah. I think, and they're so like, it's like an appreciation for it, right. That he comes out with like he, the angle that he takes on this song is this is going to be like such a core family memory. And it's so like, wonderful and beautiful right in the and then at the end they get their camera stolen it's like, <laughs> it's like bernie yeah again yeah. another another like playing yeah. pussy with the jews <laughs> exactly and so it's so funny um you know they have to like they only have the memories left now you have to make them together um and the keychain that they bought uh, yeah it's, it's, it's a sweet song it's a sweet song totally around the golden the gordon lightfoot harry chapin whom i love you know that kind of like you know, longer song, like storytelling songs. 
Yeah. And yeah, because it's it has its like hilarity and ridiculousness. But if you took out a couple of these references, like it very easy just doesn't feel like an actual Weird Al song. Yeah, the guitar sounds great on this song. I I, I think that sometimes the, the Weird Al albums don't get the greatest production. They kind of get like down the middle studio style, like just like a safe studio production. But the guitar, the reverb on the guitar here sounds really nice. Yeah. I'll add that the musicianship here is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. It is just incredible what this band can do. Yeah. yeah. And I want to pose the question to both of you. How big do you think the biggest ball of twine <laughs> is in the United States? Circumference wise? I don't have world record. I just have in the United States. And yes, we're talking circumference. I'm like 31 feet. Wow, that's a that's a big old ball of twine. It's a big ball. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 32 feet. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh obviously our our great twine builders need to up their game because the biggest ball of twine currently is eight point zero six feet. Oh, I, feel like, country. I feel like we could beat that tomorrow. We, we used to be a country gentleman. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to Joanne Fabrics and we're getting the twine. Who's coming with me? <laughs> All right. Uh, I am still on the clock here. And for my next pick, I am going with one that I think really sees uh, Weird Al and his band in the pocket once again. I'm going with Virus Alert. Virus Alert. Oh, Virus Alert is fun. Yeah, which is off the uh, Straight Outta Linwood album. And this is a sort of a style pastiche of the band Sparks, which I see as sort of like spiritual allies to Weird Al. And I think like a common theme in some of my favorite Weird Al songs, it's when he's doing a parody of something he really loves. And you don't often hear, at least I haven't. And I think if we were to rank Weird Al obsessives, I wouldn't be... I mean, there. I mean, I, I've never seen Weird Al live. I love Weird Al, but I'm not like deeply uh, schooled in his canon. I don't often hear him talk about things he loves sincerely. He usually has like a joke or sort of like a little undermining comment to make because he's a funny guy. But he's in that Sparks documentary, and when he talks about Sparks, it's like pure admiration. And you can kind of hear that in this parody here. It's you know, it's got funny lyrics, but the music and the approach to nailing the style is like dead serious. Um, and so I'm I'm going with virus alert for my uh, for my fifth pick. Yeah, I think it's a, I mean it's a great pick because it it has those layers, right? Like you could just listen to this as like kid or anybody who's just like oh it's kind of funny like email viruses like I get it, but you're right. Then you start really getting into the musicianship and where you know I mean Sparks is still underground. I mean yeah, you know so to have that like love and appreciation paid to it in this song. I just love being able to discover things, you know, about music that you've listened to over and over and over again. Yeah. All right. So we are now at the 11th pick in the draft. Wolf, you are back on the board. Okay. A lot of decisions here. This draft has come at me fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Definitely don't want to take the punter yet, but (laughs) lying him, you know, he ran really fast. The old Al Davis. Ooh, you know, this is going to be this is going to be controversial. I'm going to take Mission Statement. Ooh. From Mandatory oh. Fantastic song. Okay. We'll set a brand trajectory using management's philosophy. 
Advance on market share vis-a-vis a proven methodology. This is the Crosby, Stills, and Nash style parody. I love how he links it with corporate jargon. Like, I think this is a better take on the fall of the boomer class than Don Henley's Boys of Summer. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely think it's more biting. Also, I love that Graham Nash loves it. Yeah. So this song is is fantastic because it came out in 2014. It feels like it would be it would be totally suited to right now. Like it would be highly relevant right now. Yeah, he was definitely ahead of the game on that one. And again, musicianship here is just bonkers. The way that Al layers his harmonies is like it's beautiful. He makes beautiful music on this one. And it's so funny that it's the most soulless lyrics possible. <laughs> is Weird Al a good so singer? Yes. Yes. So talk to that. Talk about that, Dennis. Yeah, no, I truly believe he is a a very talented singer. You know, he he's got range. You'll hear him hit notes that you're like, oh, I thought those were like sweetened in a studio, but they're not. You're actually nailing it right here. And like I said, I think, you know, he, you know, have a little bit of extra production. He'll drop the voice a little bit, you know, get a little bit more baritone when needed. But it is, I, I think you would be able to tell very quickly. I don't, I do not think that he would have the longevity that he did if he was not a good singer, right? Right. Like if he was making up for it and just, it was just funny songs. So I think that that helps tremendously. Also, Graham Nash, if I remember correctly, Graham Nash had bugged Al for a long time about when he was going to do a parody of them. <laughs> and then this is what he came up with. Fantastic. All right, Dennis, you are now on the clock with the 12th pick in the draft. Oh, we, gentlemen, this is a time. All right, I'm going to go to Dare to be Stupid in 85, and I'm I'm doing it. I'm taking Yoda. Oh, boy. Fantastic. I was hoping we would get this one to, to talk about. It's funny because, you know, we talked about how Al does a lot of food stuff. He also does a lot of TV stuff. Yeah. One of the cultural moments he's come back to at least twice is Star Wars. Yeah. And Yoda, you know, a, a parody of uh, Lola by the Kinks. It's what he ends all of his concerts with. You know, it has the, uh, and credit to the Kinks for Lola, but like, the, you know, the yo, 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 that you can have the whole crowd sing to and like feels like this epic way to end the evening. And then the other thing that it does when he does things that are very pop culture specific is he makes it incredibly self-referential, right? So there's the line in here where uh, he says, um, let the force be a guide. Remember Dark Vader's, uh, remember, if Dark Vader's ever got you annoyed, just remember if you kill him, then you'll be unemployed. <laughs> so, right like it's got that it's got that moment in it where it's like not only are we talking about star wars but we're talking about like the layer beyond you know just watching the movie right right the the internal politics of uh of the galaxy mm-hmm. so obviously you you sort of like uh reference the saga continues another star wars referencing track here yep is it a cl- is it close between those two or is yoda far ahead it's a little bit closer than I, I think um, maybe I wanted to admit it first, because also I, I love American Pie. And I think that's like for him to do that song was really just kind of like exciting to hear because it wasn't it wasn't like American Pie was all of a sudden, you know, like it came out of nowhere. Right. Like right, it was from right. the 70s. But I think because of where Yoda ranks in the live experience for me is definitely where I would want to put it there. 
Wolf, either two Star Wars tunes, which one do you prefer? I think I'm taking Yoda. And the the fun thing about Yoda is, is also a watershed moment in Al's career because he got permission from George Lucas to do the song, but the Kinks publishers turned him down. And then he talks to Ray Davies later and says, hey, how come you didn't give me permission to do the song? And Ray Davies says, no one ever asked me. Yeah. And so this started Weird Al asking artists directly, hey, can I do your song? Brilliant. Yeah. Good move. So we're going on, and Dennis, you are double dipping once again. So you've picked Yoda. What is the 13th pick in the draft? Gentlemen, this is, oh man, I've got so many that are so good. Okay. I'm going to take, I'm going to go to even worse on the 88, another original. I'm taking Melanie. You can't see this, but Wolf is having an annual. Wolf, Wolf, Wolf is not okay, folks. Wolf is not okay. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'm going to have you two duke it out over Melanie. I'm I'm going to as as a guest and fan, Wolf. Please, I would love to hear your thoughts first, sir. Okay. Deep breath. I am fine. Everything is okay. <laughs> so this is a great power pop song. It has mm-hmm. awesome harmonies. Yeah. It is a reoccurring theme in Al's work. Yes, because it is. It yes. Is, it is a stalker song. <laughs> yes. But I would like to add that as a stalker song, it's not as creepy as the next My Sharona. So hats off to Al on that. There you go. That's where the bar was. <laughs> it's his best stalker song. Because there's another one off of Poodle Hat, I believe, right? He's got a couple. Yeah, he's got Do I Creep You Out? Yeah. This one's definitely superior to that for sure. But it's we were just talking about is Weird Al a great singer? Right? This is such like Will said the harmonies, like his voice is phenomenal in this song. And I love that it's completely original. I love that it's got that like, you know, kind of like acapella type feel to it. And then uh it's so ridiculous. It is one of those ones where you're like, Am I supposed to let my children listen to you, sir? You know, like, but it's great. And I, I think it's one that I always, when it comes on, because obviously I've got playlists. When, when it comes on, like, I don't notice it at first. Then there's going to always just be like a random line that'll just really tickle me in that moment. Yeah. We, uh, Melanie, big fan. I, I This song in uh, Airline Amy, I see as kind of like uh, companion pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not, not in lyrical content, but just, you know, just a power pop song about a gal. That's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Wolf, you are up next with the 14th pick in the draft. I'm selecting Melanie. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I make the rules. Interesting trades considered. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. 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 My, my board is in shambles right now. I do not know where to go. Man, there, there is a, there's a sneaky track in here that is a high riser that has so much potential, and I almost got to choose it, even though I'm kind of ambivalent to it, but it is just such an achievement that I think I have to go with it in this round. This is, this is going to be the reach. I'm choosing a hardware store from Poodle Hat.
great song. Fantastic choice. I just have to recognize the absolute achievement in tongue twisting yeah. in this song. Yeah. Like this is definitely the stunt song where like you memorize this to impress your friends. Yeah. Yeah. This is the um with maybe the exception of white and nerdy, this is the most impressive rapping that Weird Al ever does, I think. Yeah, he doesn't do this live for a very good reason. It's obviously too easy to get tripped up. Also, the the production and like the we haven't talked about this at all, but like Al's use of sound effects is really hyper specific to the point where like, you know, we, the thing we haven't touched on is like his like what's we're looking for, like his polka medleys. Right. They all have like certain sound effects that are very uniquely Al. And this one, his use of those effects is so layered and really, really it amps up the fun in such a big way. But yeah, it's that's a big it's a big song for not being that long. Every 27th customer will get a ball peen hammer free is just such a <laughs> no one writes lines like that. No. I mean, <laughs> and this is it's it's hard to talk about Weird Al Yankovic with people who don't love him. Because the things that make him fantastic are so achingly specific. Yeah. And it's really hard to explain what makes them funny. And it's, I think it's just the time spent. You got to spend a little bit of time with Al and, and kind of immerse yourself in the world. But once you're in there, almost everything is hilarious. Also, like the guy's just excited to go to the hardware store. Like he's just, like that's the thing, right? It's like the simplicity of like, what is the core of the song? Just a dude who's pumped to go look at some tools and stuff. Yeah. I, I will say like, this song is not going to be drafted, I don't think, but the Iggy Azalea cover of Handy. Handy. I, I do hum that when I'm fixing stuff. Yes, yes. That's that's my kid's, like, one of his favorites. Yeah, yeah. I have the sensibilities of a 12-year-old, so this... <laughs> yeah, you're good. All right, for my next pick, I am going with a song that I think we're all... We're kind of in... We're in deep cuts range now. I'm going with one that I think is is an Al favorite, and it is Midnight Star. Uh, I had that on my list too. So this is the song I believe that Al wanted to be the lead single off of uh, Al in 3D. And it is just, Wolf mentioned this term before, I think if he wanted to be, he could have been a really estimable power pop artist in the 80s because he has just fantastic power pop sensibilities and they're really on display in this song. It has another line that will probably be jingling around in my head, you know, when the God particle is released on my deathbed, but the incredible frog boy is on the loose again is something that I'll just like, it's, it's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Yes. This song, it, that line reminds me of like, well, they, they, they took down the chicken man last night. It has like Atlantic city vibes for me for some reason, especially that line. It also does the Weird Al thing of, again, like, you know, there's how many jokes can you make about weekly world news headlines? And then how many can you fit into a three minute and 30 second long pop song? So that's the task in front of Al on this one. It's also, I mean, look, I've said it before, but like, it's really fun to listen to. The music itself is is really like kind of bouncy and fun, but it's also, yeah, Midnight Star is, is a, a real blast. And I think if people haven't listened to it before or haven't listened to it in a long time, it really hits uh, revisiting that one. Well, if you have thoughts on uh, on Midnight Star, 
Sorry, I was Googling around to see what the fate of the incredible frog boy was. And, uh, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but apparently frog boy didn't exist. So. He didn't, he didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> apparently that was a headline in one of these types of fake news newspapers. And Al had it posted on his bedroom wall when he was a kid. So. Oh, amazing. I miss that time so much now that tabloids are like the men in black thing of just like telling truth and it's just like dispatches from trump country no i would give anything to see bat boy in the uh, grocery store aisle once oh my god i feel so good (laughs) quick little lightning round what is what is the weekly world news slash you know uh star magazine type headline that sticks with you most from being a child and walking through grocery store aisles i'll I'll say mine it's a story about a kid who swallowed a a grape seed and a grapevine grew out of his mouth (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing Golly, I'm trying to think of what they would have been. I feel like I remember seeing one of like a woman who was like pregnant with her 19th child or something like that. It's a classic of the genre. Yeah. I don't have a headline that comes to mind, but I will say that one time I was in a gas station in the middle of nowhere and I looked to my left and they had a gigantic kiosk that was just porn DVDs. (laughs) Sure. And... The one, there's one smack dab right in the middle that caught my eye and it was just titled, What the Fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of like, you know, freshman year of college and like having access to high speed internet for the first time. Yeah. (laughs) And like, just, you know, you'd like random dudes would walk into your dorm room, like, let me show you this website. (laughs) Yeah. And this guy just went to (laughs) fuckattack.com. Um, oh, okay. If we're, if we're going to tell these kinds of stories, I do have one. I remember being, I don't know, 11, 12 ish, somewhere around there, like finding like my dad's like two like porno mags, right? And this one headline that I will never forget it's uh, the, it was two women. And the headline says, Sorry, guys, they're not into the beef franks, but they're into the fish tacos. And I had never heard of a fish taco like that was an actual consumable food for like the next seven, eight years later. So like when I heard that somebody ordered fish tacos in earnest, I was like, you can't say that. Are you out of your mind? (laughs) We're at a restaurant. (laughs) Oh, brother. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the podcast can be named next week. If it's me, Cord Trotles or Fuck Attack. But (laughs) I feel like we have options. I feel like we we have options. options. (laughs) Uh, Okay. For my next pick, I am going with uh, a track off of Bad Hair Day. Uh, This is a style parody. It is Everything You Know Is Wrong. Talk about another one where he's really fast. Yeah. And this one, so we talked about Al's sort of like affinity with the the Jewish community. I feel like this is the song that really like, it's almost Talmudic in its embrace of the absurdity of life and just laughing 
at it. You know, any song where like, and then I died and now I'm in heaven. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. They put me in the room next to the ice machine maker. And every night, St. Peter runs by screaming, everything you know is wrong. I mean, it's just, it's just pulling at the thread till there's, till there's nothing left and then pulling again. And it's an ode to uh, They Might Be Giants, which I, I see sort of as another, you know, uh, kindred spirit to Weird Al. I have to tell you, because I talk a lot as uh, listeners, I am a Jew. This is, you need to know this part. Um, in case the coach earlier didn't didn't tip you off to that. I talk a lot about how like heaven and hell for Jews. And I always say that like Jews really have like heaven and bad heaven. <laughs> and, and, I, and I use the line bad heaven is like, you have the room next to the ice maker. You have to go through the buffet before they refill it. And like Richard Simmons is just yelling somewhere at all times. <laughs> but yeah, totally part of that it's, comes from Al. It's such small portions, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I get the fresh lettuce? No? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, it's heaven with the no alterations menu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love this one. I think like Horoscope is a, is a similar type, yes. type song to this. Yes, absolutely. Which is another one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I think those those two definitely fit that way for sure. And like, um, I almost want to say a little bit like um, Party at the Leper Colony a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Wolf, you have any thoughts on uh, on everything you know is wrong? It is always impressive just how Weird Al is able to understand a band's DNA. Yeah. Because this is such a dead on They Might Be Giants track. And I think he gets to that in a way that is uncanny. And it almost focuses on like what they might be giants isn't. And that's why it works. Interesting. What do you mean by that? Kind of hard to explain. It's more just like a vibe, right? I think where song parodies usually fail is that they're so laser focused on like the the superficial parts of a song where it's like the hook. Just the number of syllables. Yeah, just trying to replicate that. And like the band is very good at replicating that stuff, but they also understand like the underlying vibe and the atmosphere and like the greater context of how the song was made and like why it was made. And I think that's the reason why his music has like lasted throughout the ages. If if Weird Al came of age, you know, in this era, he would be the greatest YouTuber of, of our time and he could do everything from song parodies. But what he would really crush is the, if so-and-so artist wrote a song by so-and-so artist style of like music YouTuber, he would be the king of that. Yep. That's a really good point. All right. We are moving on. We are currently on the 17th pick of the draft and Wolf, you are up. Well, guys, I hate to tell you, it's still Melanie. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, okay. What am I going to go for here? I'm going to take a song that I like a lot from an album that is much maligned, but I think there's really good material on it. And I'm wondering if I only feel that way, just in, if this is my inherent contrarian nature, or if 35 years later, we have a better understanding of like what's good and what's bad and what was able to last on this album. I am taking Dog Eat Dog on Poker Party. I was wondering. Ooh. I was wondering. I knew it was going to be a poker party song, but I was wondering which one. I thought it was going to be "Please Don't Wear Those Shoes." But so, okay, talk about <laughs> talk about doggy dog. 
this is in the same spirit as mission statement. And I almost think it's like a earlier version of that where it is a dead on talking heads impersonation, but the song lyrics are about the soul sucking boredom of an office job, which is something that I could relate to very well. And I think like, this is another example of the, the dark streak that Al has. 100%. I would also say that this is almost uh, a companion to the song that you chose, Everything You Know Is Wrong, because it's like, who has understood Talking Heads better than Weird Al? Yeah, that's a really good point. Right. I, think, I think because Al is weird... <laughs> He looks past the fact. I mean, I think like if you know if uh, if your sort of like replacement level parody guy is going to do a, a Talking Heads cover, he's going to just focus on like David Byrne's voice, you know, and like he's not going to get to what actually makes that band that band. Yeah, I, I, think, I agree with that. I think his strength is understanding what motivates the weirdos. Where you know, just to go back to Dare to Be Stupid, his understanding of the the skewed perspective of Devo is just that is inherent to Al. Right. Yeah. And while I do think that he does great songs that would be great songs just in the style, like uh, we already mentioned it, your horoscope for today. Like, yeah. That's just a good third wave ska song. Yes, it is. Yes. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Boston should be so lucky. Yeah. yeah well, really. I think I think uh, the real big fish guys play on that song. Um, I think oh, they, that's so I think- cool. Per the Wikipedia, at least, or the Alipedia for that song, they they made an awards show and he invited him to play on the song with him. So that's fantastic. So Dennis, you are back up. You have the 18th pick in the draft. Okay. Uh, so this is my last two. Is that right? You got two more picks here. Okay. I'm gonna go with the song that uh, is okay that he had to write this one. We talked about like, hey, he made a food album. And there was another compilation that was coming out in 94 uh, called Permanent Record, Al in the Box. And it was going to be a compilation album, you know, of songs he had recorded. But the studio, his record label asked him to write a song to uh, to promote it. So I am taking Headline News, which is a parody of the Crash Test Dummies. Mm-mm-mm. Fantastic. <laughs> It's so, it's a definitely a deeper cut. Like I said, it's not like, not even on like a major release album. Right. The idea of it, I love. Like, because what it also did was it like encapsulated that moment. Some of the stuff that Al does is very like, oh, this is literally what was going on at this time, right? Whether that's the music style or maybe what he's talking about or like, won't spoil it till the end, but like, you know, or maybe he's talking about a movie if we talked about before. But this one to literally be like, this is this is the headline news as of this moment. These are the biggest stories in 1994. And one of them is going to be Lorraine Bobbitt. And to do it in that style, like that, that deep mm-mm voice. Also, the original song, like this might be a moment where like Al's parody is not as twisted as the original song. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, you kind of mentioned something important here that like he's more than just a musician and a song parodist. He is a, I think he's like a cultural critic. Almost. He, he's just aware of what sucks about culture at any given time or 
like in what ways people are being stupid or selfish or self-indulgent or whatever. I mean, I don't think he's like a necessarily like judgmental person, but he is highly aware of our foibles and sort of uses his jester's privilege to poke at them. Absolutely. And like, this is, I mean, that kid getting caned in Singapore, like just like what a ridiculous moment that was. And like for him to be like, this is the piece that is going to make it on this album and be remembered for all of time. And once again, also really, really great sound effects. Big stupid. <laughs> Big stupid. <laughs> Maximally stupid Al, which is one of my favorite versions of Al. Wolf, do you remember this one? I remember not hearing this one till after I heard Bad Hair Day. It kind of like I rediscovered the back catalog. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat there. I might have caught this via MTV back when uh, Crash Test Dummies was still a thing that people remembered. Real quick, kind of off topic, does Crash Test Dummies have another song or is that it? I had a friend who bought the CD wow. uh, when that song came out. And so I am familiar with the album because my friend had the CD. So I think the song God Shuffled His Feet was like a maybe cracked like the bottom of the alternative rock charts. But beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, they don't were one so. of those bands that was like duking it out for eons before they cracked but um in terms of hits i don't think so does your friend still owe money to columbia music house (laughs) (laughs) i will tell you he did get it through columbia music house amazing i'm just not ready for that kind of commitment (laughs) all the things and then that's what puts you over the edge (laughs) i will tell you uh small spoiler there's also a columbia music house joke in the weird Al movie so yes yes uh and the person who makes it uh it'll blow your whole mind (laughs) <laughs> okay all right so dennis you are on the clock once again okay here we go i got a lot left which i don't think should come as a surprise to most folks um maybe we can shout out an honorary we'll do uh, we'll do rapid fire armor mentions at the end so we all get to you know name our stuff okay cool i will i will take this one because it's one of my favorite parodies it is one of my favorite outfits that he's ever worn this is a great video Give me back to running with scissors. I'm taking all about the Pentiums. What you wanna do? Wanna be hackers, code crackers, slackers, wasting time with all the chat room yackers. Nine to five chilling at Hewlett Packers, working at a desk with a dumb little placard. <laughs> that silver Puff Daddy style suit that he's wearing in that video is amazing. Um, I know I talked about the live shows. So he does, when he's doing his like proper like parody live shows, he changes outfits and puts on the outfits from those songs, including a fat suit for fat. Um, but he comes out in the in the bright silver for this, um, and they get the strobe lights going. Um, I was a big P. Diddy guy. I was a big Puff Daddy in the family. Like I loved all about the Benjamins. Um, so this was like one of those moments where like my worlds were coming together. Also, another one like of the moment, right? Like this is the computing power that we had at this time, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you saw uh, the Sarah Michelle Geller uh, lyric, you know, <laughs> the whole control. What kind of the chip you got in there is a Dorito. <laughs> Dorito, yeah, exactly. Your windows boots up in what a day and a half. Like it's like what a great idea too. I'm just gonna insult you about how good my tech is. <laughs> I've I've got to say. Al always looks good in his rap parody videos. He looks like in this and in the white and nerdy video when he is in the uh, crazy bone yeah, outfit. Like he belongs. Yeah. He just it's... looks like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he just looks cool. The mustache and the long hair works. It plays. It plays. I have a kind of a two-parter here as we're kind of getting toward the end. What are your thoughts on this? And in general, do you think that 
the sort of rise of hip hop as the primary like pop music for this country has been good or bad for Al? Interesting. Uh, let me take, it's all about the Pentiums real quick. Fun story. I guess he got clearance to do this song super late. So per Al, he was recording the lead vocals a couple days before the album had to be mastered. Wow. Yikes. Which is Wow. I mean, he nails it. So a a less of a professional would have failed miserably. Yeah, absolutely. As far as whether hip hop is like, if that's a good thing for Al or not, that's a good question. Like I curious what Al is going to do with the SoundCloud hip hop era, because I don't know where you go with that. That hasn't already been done by the style itself. So my feeling on this is that, Al is a, is a is a talented rapper and he is ability to, you know, pen lyrics that are in his wheelhouse and sort of like so paradoxical with the music is a testament to his talent. But it is not my favorite type of Al song because I think it kind of puts one hand behind his back because so much of what is great about Weird Yankovic is the musical parodies as well. Now, yeah. this is a great one because the band's on full display here and yeah. and uh, Jim West is just shredding and it's it's heavy, it's cool. But I'm thinking of a song like the Whatever You Like parody. Yep. Would would be and uh, the um, Crash Day off of Poodle Hat. Yep, yep. These uh, would be lower on my list of Weird Al songs because it's really just writing different lyrics to the song, which I think is only like 10% of what makes Weird Al a compelling artist. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's funny because like... Also love Nelly. I was listening to your the 2002 draft podcast between the two of you, and I was just yelling out picks, yeah. <laughs> just so. Where's this one? And nothing. Um, but I, the I think two worst guys on the in the country to do that. <laughs> it was a time I enjoyed it. Um, it was a small window into your brains, which I appreciated. But yes, you know, I think you're totally right because you know we talked about how incredibly talented his band is, how layered he can get with the production. And something like Trash Day, which is a hot in here, you know, parody, like hot in here is so specific um already. So like he's not gonna have that much wiggle room to do anything with it. And it is so many words. So you're right, he has to like really I think you're totally right. It boxes him in a little bit more. But he's not afraid to do them, which is good. And I think it will also continue to see like who is the who are the big rappers that come out there? Like he did, you know, a parody to lose yourself. Yeah. Which Eminem hated. And like it's not his best one, but like he did that. You know, I think he's obviously not afraid to to tackle what's big in music. All right. So we're winding down here and we are now on pick number 20 of the draft, and we're going back to Wolf. This is the part of the draft where you get down to your last pick and there's a bunch of sleeper picks that you love. Yeah. And it's like, what was I doing with the past like 20 picks in this draft? <laughs> How did I screw this up so badly? <laughs> so I'm kind of in that boat right now. There's a lot of songs on here that I want to I want to choose and I'm inevitably going to pick the wrong one. So I want to be super brave and I want you two to be honest with me. If you expected this song to be taken, then... I will be gobsmacked, but I find this song fascinating. And I'm taking from Al's self-titled debut, Got a Boogie. Got a boogie on my finger and I can't shake it off. Wow. 
Wow, I did not expect this to be taken. Not remotely, no. 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 Talk to me about Gutta Boogie, because you know what? I think I probably listened to it twice in my entire life. I'm not super familiar with this one. This is embryotic, Al. The accordion is all up and down, this disco song, and it presents a fascinating path for music. What if disco, but Zydeco? Yes. I mean, there's no other song like this. Right. I mean, there's no other song to feature all these instruments out there, is there? I would say that this is actually a better piss take on Frank Zappa circa Shake Your Booty than Al's actual Frank Zappa piss take Genius in France. Genius in France. Right. I'm glad that somebody took something off of the self-titled debut because, as you said, it's embryonic Al. And I think this is where he's putting polka into everything. Yep. And you can also hear that he is a fantastic uh, accordion player. Yeah. I mean, he really is kind of a prodigy. I would love to hear more music like this. If somebody wants to, like, I'm sure to see like in the deepest parts of New Orleans, I'm sure that this exists. And I'm sure if we have listeners down there, they're yelling at me, hey, what's up, Conrad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like what a what a fascinating song. It, it's just one of those like obviously Dave and I listen to a lot of super early death metal. And the thing that fascinates me about any genre in its early states is not the stuff that becomes classic, but the stuff that dies out and withers on the vine just because people did not want to take that path. The failed beta tests. So. Yeah. And so I just love this song. It is such a weird, weird song. And I wish there was more stuff like it. I will say this is not going to be my uh, next pick, but I had heavily considered Stop Dragging My Car Around, oh, uh, yeah. which is also off of that album. And it's like, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of like, not just a parody of the song, but it's like, what if this song was a polka song? They play the guitar solo, Al plays the guitar solo on his harmonica, uh, which is, you know, it's just this is a, I think like I mean, maybe someday we'll do a deep dive on this album and like the, like what was happening in the culture at the time. We'll have Dennis back and just talk about the early, early, early days of Al. But this is like, I mean, truly weird stuff happening all across this album. Yeah. And I think it's when you've never done it before, right? And you just don't know if the swing's going to take or not. But like, this is just what feels right in the moment. You don't have anything to, to put it up against. There's nothing else out there. Like, I think that's what makes it so cool and such a, I mean, really great pick to come in at the end because to see the, the alvolution, if you will, <laughs> uh, if I may be so brave, it's, uh, it's really fascinating. Um, and because he was just known as like the accordion guy to see what he, how far he tried to take that. And then, like I said, what worked and what didn't. Yeah. And lots of punch balloon. We, which we love, which you love. We love the punch, punch balloon. balloon. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't want to go like super big brain and just overanalyze this song to death, but I'll put on my smart guy hat here and say that it's also a song about boogers. <laughs> Look at him, folks. <laughs> All right, folks, we are now on to the last pick of the draft, which means it falls to me to pick Mr. Irrelevant for this year. Uh, I got a lot of stuff left on my board. I'm happy with my team so far. I sort of wanted to make sure that I got a a healthy sort of like selection of the various types of Weird Al songs. Yeah. I've gone kind of heavy on the on the style pastiches, but I can only I am what I am and I've got to I've got to finish with one. And I'm rounding my draft out with uh, 
Frank's 2000 inch TV. I love this song. One reason why I chose this one is because this is sort of a, a style parody of early R.E.M. And as I've talked about with Wolf on, on the pod on several occasions, their, their, uh, their compilation Eponymous is one of the big sort of developmental albums of my, of my youth. So to hear sort of that whole era condensed into one tune. And I also love Weird Al as a chronicler of like a specific type of suburban consumer guy. Yeah. You know, like absolutely. Yeah. Like just the, like, you know, the uncle Bernie's of the world, you know, the guy very proud of his television and doesn't, no one can touch it. No one can come near it. I feel like we all remember like neighbor's dad getting a new lawnmower and like, don't touch it. Don't go near it. Or like having to get permission to go in the kid down the street's pool, because it's like, I don't know. It's like, there's such a funny and like astute and uh, keenly observed picture of suburban life that and to do an rem song for that is so perfect it's so savvy it's like the kind of song that rem would write if michael stipe had a sense of humor so uh that frank's 2000 inch tv is my uh my last pick did you guys have any any feelings on this one can i read the trivia that is on the weird al fandom wiki please please (laughs) this is so indicative of the fan base, I feel. A 2,000-inch TV at the then-standard 4 by 3 ratio would have a screen 100 feet tall and 133 feet wide, which is slightly larger than the Darling Harbor IMAX in Sydney, the world's largest IMAX theater, which was 97 feet tall and 117 feet 2 inches wide, before refurbishment that started in 2016 and is scheduled to be completed by the end of 2020. At today's 16 by 9 ratio, it would be 81 feet, eight and a half inches tall, and 145 feet and three and a half inches wide. Oh. God. I'm just thinking of like the, the nerds at the Itchy and Scratchy movie like signing. We're like, ah, are we supposed to believe this is some kind of magic television? That's so good. Also, great reference because he definitely references The Simpsons in right. this song. He does. He does. So I love that. Uh, yeah, I think this is another one, too, where like melodically is so pleasant. Right. Yeah. Like if you're not really, you know, how, how often are we listening to songs regardless of, you know, Al or not, that you're not really paying that much attention to the lyrics and you're like, mm-hmm. this is just like, yeah, well, I wouldn't say easy listening, but like, this is just like, it sounds so nice just to, you know, sing along with it and just listen to it. Um, and then you start listening to what's actually happening. You're like, this is a, a pretty crazy <laughs> thing to be occurring right now. Right. Right. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like that phenomenon of like when you're driving through the Midwest and you're listening to something and you like, it's like that, that moment before you realize it's Christian rock. Like, oh, this is not, oh, wait a minute. This is Christian rock. <laughs> yeah. This is Jesus. Yep. There he is. Yep. <laughs> we have picked 21 Weird Al songs. I want to run through just a quick lightning round because I know we all had our draft boards here and we want to celebrate the man because, you know, we're having a little Alessance right now. What are some songs that you had on your draft board? that you didn't get a chance to talk about. I want to just give everyone a chance to lightning round. So Dennis, talk to me about some tunes. All right, I'll give you some quick ones. We mentioned it very briefly, but Fat, I think, was such a big song for him. 
another one we talked about al is not jewish but pretty fly for a rabbi like get the fuck out of here <laughs> so i mean just nails everything i would wait just a minute play it so and... this song came out after your bar mitzvah i'd have to imagine it did. yes yeah. just yeah, just like just right after though how bummed are you that you like <laughs> this came out after <laughs> i was i was pretty upset but i did i made them play it at my brother's bar mitzvah so don't nice. worry <laughs> And then I'll just give you two other uh, quick ones. Nobody officially took White Nerdy, but we talked about that as well. Yeah. And then, you know, it's Wolf. I was expecting you to pull this almost every single time you teed up something. And that is Trapped in the Drive-Thru. Yeah. Which I really thought you were going to go to, which, you know, a parody of Trapped in the Closet by convicted sexual offender R. Kelly. Um, Let's make sure we call that out properly. But uh, I really thought you were going to bring up this one. Just like the idea of what is the most absolute mundane task that can happen that goes on for like seven and a half minutes and is every single step. Yeah, that one is just another. His awareness of what makes that song so incredibly stupid and amazing so I asked for the burger and yeah. I said, the, and they just keep saying burger, so, burger. <laughs> so many times. Yeah. It's like, it's just, I mean, this is a, this is a attentive guy. Yes. They put in the, he puts in a guitar riff in where like they're listening to the it's music. Black dog. Like, it's black dog because he couldn't, he couldn't get the rights to do a, he wanted, so you have, you have hot rocks polka, of course. And so he wanted to do that with uh, Led Zeppelin, but Jimmy Page, despite being an Al fan, wouldn't give him permission, but he did get permission to, to drop Black Dog into uh, into Trapped in the Drive-Thru. So good. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last one I will say very quickly, which is an interesting one for me. I was literally talking to my, my kid about it. Like, this was the melding of all of the things that are me coming together at once, but it never, like, cracked my top 10, and that is... Um, the superhero owed to a superhero. Ah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm a huge Billy Joel guy. I'm obviously a huge Weird Al guy. I'm a massive Spider-Man guy, especially the first, like that was all of my stuff coming to one. And for whatever reason, like I think in the Al pantheon, it just wasn't as strong as so many other things that he's done. Sometimes when you get everything you want, it can be, uh, it can, it can help but disappoint you a little bit. There it is, folks. Wolf, did you have any songs you want to make sure you just, you shut it out? Sure. Yeah. I'm surprised that, None of us took one of the pokas. So pokas thought about on, that. Pokas on 45. I mean, they're just good exercises. Got to get that one out What's there. What's your favorite one? What's your favorite one? Pokas on 45, the first one. Yeah. You can hear how giddy Weird Al is just making that. He's geeked up. He, I mean, they're moving. That, 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 I, I was listening to that one. It kind of like, I like it in the same way that I love like a really good thrash metal song. I can't just help. I'm just like tapping my hand against my thigh really fast and banging my head. And like the energy is just insane. I also had Pancreas on my yeah. short list. Another one he can't do live, but it's so good. Fantastic Beach Boys. The, I think that's the best production of Weird Al's career. Just the the layered harmonies on that is, I I wonder if Brian Wilson has heard that. Yeah, I wonder, I, that that is like one of my favorite things to think about when it comes to Weird Al is the smile he must put on the faces of the artists that he's doing a really good job of emulating. I also wonder if uh, Brian Wilson's therapist has heard that as well. <laughs> but uh I also had Genius in France, which, you know, like, I love Zappa. This song, like, whiffs so hard <laughs> yeah, on that. It's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah, like, it has the kitchen sink aesthetic, but, like, everything is so on the grid that it's, like, it just doesn't work. But I'm kind of fascinated with that one anyway. Already name-checked your horoscope for today. Also had When I Was Your Age from Off the Deep End. <laughs> yeah, which, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's almost like another, like, Greg Kinn band style pastiche, I feel. But, uh... 
It's really stupid. I love how stupid that song is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stupid songs, I mean, talk about more demented, the better. We already named Texas one, but Attack at the Radioactive Hamsters from a Planet Near Mars. Yeah, That's a great one. Uh, here's Johnny, which like, holy, like El DeBarge style pastiche. <laughs> love it. The one that like I surprised myself not taking is Nature Trail to Hell. <laughs> I love Nature Trail to Hell. It is, yeah. And what I love about Nature Trail to Hell is that Pitchfork hates this song so much. Do they really? They've name checked this in multiple reviews of stuff that kind of sounds like it, like Adam and his package. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, and it's always uh, it's always supposed to be wielded as a put down, but uh, as uh, Al says backwards in the song, Satan eats cheese whiz. So <laughs> take that. <picture. laughs> and then I guess the last one I want to name check here is Mr. Popeil, which is just a yeah. good B fifty twos jam. Okay. Like yeah. I love Weird Al taking on fringy weirdos, and this is that. Uh, okay, I want to run through a quick. I, I want to. I do want to give a little love to another one. Rides the bus. Yes. <sighs> Can you imagine being Weird Al's parents when he's like 16 years old and writing songs like this? This was this perm in the Hawaiian shirt and the mud. He's just like so twitchy and like I mean, it's like having a it's like having a Chihuahua as a son. And what we also like didn't mention here is Al is so smart. Like he graduated high school at 16. Like he has a degree in architecture. Like so wildly intelligent. And then yeah, then he does another one rides the bus. Yeah, I'm a big fan of CNR. <laughs> the Charles Nelson Riley song. Uh, he, he he talked about how, you know, he just, they asked him why he wrote the song. And you just, you know, as Al would say, you know, I just, the cross section of people who know who Charles Nelson Riley is and like the white stripes is pretty small. So I wanted to write a song about that. But I love when Al aims for the thinnest possible slice of the Venn diagram. Yeah. And he bullseye with this one. Lasagna. So sure. stupid. So, <laughs> so dumb. Stupid. It's great. And uh, and as we know, anti-Italian racism, always funny. Uh, you're allowed to do it. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Hot Rocks polka. Still, you know, heavy on the accordion in, in that era. Really, really deep cut here. Plumbing song. Because I like that it's a parody of two Millie Vanilli songs. And there's a lot of ear candy in that one. Uh, and it sounds like he's having just a shit ton of fun. And uh, last one, I think the, I think Germs. The uh, Nine Inch Nails kind of style pastiche off of Bad Hair Day is, is fantastic. Yeah. Do you think Trent Reznor loves that song or hates it? I I would be, I think I'd be more surprised if he hated it. Um, I think maybe now Trent Reznor, I think then Trent Reznor probably hated it. Like, how dare you? Right. But I think like now Trent Reznor is like, that's pretty cool. All right. So that is, I, I've had a fantastic time talking out with you guys. Do you want to, Dennis, you want to share any final thoughts on, on where Yankovic and sort of what he means to you and what do you, what do you think he means to sort of pop culture in general? The other thing I didn't say earlier in all of my Aldum, I will tell you these two very quick stories. The first time I met him, he was doing a book signing because Weird Al also is a children's author, uh, children's book author. And um, they gave, you had to buy the book and he'd sign whatever else. And so they gave you a little sticky note to put who to dedicate the book to. Well, my son hadn't arrived yet. He was being cooked at the time. And so Jews don't tell the name to anybody. So I wrote Baby Boy Jacobs. And I give it to him and he looks at it and he just goes, are you Baby Boy Jacobs? And I was like, <laughs> no, I love you. No, uh, that's my son. He'll be here in a couple of months. Oh my God, you're so cool. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's that one. And the other one, which I think to, to talk to your point you just talked about, Dave, is I, I was at the his Walk of Fame ceremony. And for, for folks who don't know, to get a star on the, the Walk of Fame, normally it costs $20,000. And 
And normally what happens is an actor or a performer, whoever is promoting something, the studio or network or somebody behind it pays for it. Well, that didn't happen with Al. And literally it was all of his fans who came together and paid for him to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which he rightfully deserves. And I think he's somebody who should be doing the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh my, I hadn't even considered that before, but that would bring that would bring America together. It would crush. It would crush. Bring out the artists he's done parodies of and like do like some like transitions from the originals into the parodies. Oh my God. If Sirius XM, yeah, if Sirius XM is listening, like where's that channel? Give me the Al channel where it is his parodies, the original songs, maybe some stuff that he picks. Like, what are we doing, guys? Fantastic hang on the Beatles channel, by the way, is Weird Al. Oh, so good. Thank you for tipping me off to that. That was great. In terms of my final thoughts, I just want to say, I I, I think we talked about, me, me and Wolf had a conversation about pop music uh, in an early episode and why we're still so like obsessed with it, despite the fact that it's not targeted to people in our age demographic anymore. And I think what I why I want pop music to be great is it has the capacity to do what Weird Al does, which is bring people together. You know, to have to kind of like create a baseline for a shared collective memory of something. Like we all remember what it was like when we were 12 years old and Bad Hair Day came out and we all memorized the lyrics of those silly little songs. And now, of course, we can like appreciate Weird Al and his band on a deeper level and pull out the galaxy brain and pick apart the bass performance on Virus Alert and so on. But ultimately, it's just like Al's a dude we all knew and grew up with and loved hanging out with when we were kids. And we're just getting together and like sharing stories about our bud. Uh, and that's what great pop musicians do, I think. Here, here. And with that, we're going to take a little break. We're going to pay our server bills. And when we come back, we're going to talk recommendations. Hey, this is your least favorite Lupine, Wolf Rambats. And I'm here with Stephen Davis. Stephen Davidson. How you doing, man? Doing great. Hey, so uh, we got a podcast called the Plague Rages Podcast. It is a heavy metal podcast for two heavy metal writers talk about music. And uh, Steve, Dave, like, what kind of shenanigans do we get up to? Oh, you know, we like wax poetic about our sad dating lives. Did you have any, any other hobbies other than listening to metal? Jimby, bad news, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about what our new favorite tracks are. I have no shame saying this, that End of Time is on my list of dumbest songs that have almost made me cry. Oh, dude, Future Cars. <laughs> we revisit albums that we think maybe deserve a second chance. I've been regretting this ever. Like, <laughs> Yeah, all that good stuff. So if uh, you'd like to check that out, you can hear us at plaguerages.substack.com. All right, we are back. We're going to do some recommendations, and Dennis is going to stick around and talk a little bit about stuff that he's digging right now. But we're going to go to Wolf first so we can lay out the template. Wolf, what are you recommending this week? So I'm going to freestyle this one. I am in the column mines right now. I have ended the year duties coming up, so this is a bad time for old Wolf Rambats. I don't have time to enjoy stuff anymore. I just have time to analyze and critique stuff and make lists and it sucks so my recommendation is have y'all played golf solitaire no no so i played this game 10 times a day it is what i use to relax because i find it so calming this game is super trivial if you know how to count cards I don't because I'm a grade A moron, so I'm still fascinated <laughs> by it. <laughs> but it is a fun thing to do to waste the time. You can just search 
cardgames.io has golf solitaire. That's my favorite one to play. So if you want to measure up against old wolf rambats, my greatest opening move is 25. And the best game I ever played was I got it done in 40 moves. I've never been able to break 40. I know it's possible because I didn't set a record when I did my 40 run. So that's still out there. It's elusive. Give it a shot. And yeah, this is probably the worst recommendation I've ever made. But hey. <laughs> well, this definitely sounds like a better way to like kill downtime at work. Or not downtime, but sort of like thinking time. You have like that, you can't come up with the next thing you want to write. So you get to like, I don't know, just like browse Twitter for two minutes and then go back to it. This sounds like a much more productive way to spend that time. Whenever people ask you the question, like, hey, if you were a billionaire, like, what would you do with your time? I'm like trying to coax you to try and find out like what your path in life is. Like, obviously, my first answer to that question is I'd sleep in. <laughs> sure. And secondly, I used to tell people that I would just listen to Aphex Twin and play Bejeweled, but I'm pretty sure I just listen to Aphex Twin and play Golf Solitaire now. So, you know, yeah. if I can find a career as a professional Golf Solitaire player, then sure, let's do this. All right. Dennis, welcome to the recommendation trap. What do you got? Hey, thanks. Okay. So, real quick, first of all, I recommend everybody make sure that you are caught up here on this particular podcast. Um, and then, since I'm a person who loves to see their friends succeed, I'm just going to shout out three other podcasts that once you have fully made it through the whole catalog of run out grooves, you can go ahead and, uh, and, and, uh, go listen to these. Okay. So real quick, if you need celebrity gossip stuff, go to the Casey and Michelle show podcast every week. They're super fun. They love this shit more than I do. Um, so get into it. And they're a funny, funny duo who I'm known for years. If you want a music one, Go ahead and do That's What They Said with Serena Morales and Scott Spinelli. Um, they take um, songs and listen to the lyrics and talk about them. Uh, they do a lot of stuff in like late 90s, early 2000s has been their sweet spot right now. And there's a lot of just ridiculous things that were said in songs. Highly recommend listening to the version, the episode they did about uh, Too Close by Next, which... My God, I can't believe anybody ever let that song play on the radio when there were middle schoolers around. <laughs> and the last one is a uh, TV BFFs. Um, it's a really fun television podcast hosted um, by two wonderful people, Dan and Brandy, and. Essentially, what it is, is they make their guests pick um, their best, favorite, and forever television shows. And uh, it's a blast. Uh, and thank you again, gentlemen. This has been so fun. Oh, it was a pleasure to have you. And and as I enter my recommendation here, I'm going to encourage everyone to go to YouTube and check out Dennis Koch Jacobs' stand-up special, Tiny Hat, Big Jokes. Being a dad's great. Not that hard, though, okay? People are always concerned about, like, how hard it is to be a parent and, and the, what's the big thing today, right? What are the kids watching on YouTube? Are you paying attention? Okay, it's so hard to parent a kid who's watching, who has YouTube. That's not true. All you have to do is just know, all right? Pay attention. My kid watches Dude Perfect, Peppa Pig, and White Nationalist videos, and it's fine, okay? Because I know, I'm a good dad. It is fantastic. Uh, it is a great hang with a fantastic fellow who is full of hilarious observations. Dennis is one of my favorite dudes, and it was such a thrill to get around and just talk about Weird Al with him. 
Um, I do quickly want to recommend one more quick thing here because we spent this whole episode talking about Weird Al. I wanted to take one more minute just to highlight the uh, incredible human being that is Stephen Jay, the bass player in Weird Al's band. just want to read you a couple lines from his biography on the Weird Al Yankovic website. Majoring in music composition at USF at Tampa, he studied and performed with noted composers John Cage, Lucas Foss, Charles Roarin, Hilton Jones, and Max Newhouse. His work in avant-garde movement in the early 1970s earned him a graduate fellowship. Years later, he received the University of South Florida's Outstanding Alumni Achievement Award for Music. As a musical theorist, Stephen's seminal article, The Theory of Harmonic Rhythm, continues to inform and inspire micro-rhythmic research and design. This is the guy who's just been hanging out behind Whittle for 40 years. You know, one of the preeminent like music scholars. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's apparently has done work capturing field recordings in, uh, in Africa. Um, he's got an extensive solo career. He just released a, uh, uh, an album this year called Vida Biata that I highly recommend, recommend people check out. He is a fantastic bass player and gets to flex his, uh, his playing muscles a little bit more. Uh, on his solo stuff. So uh, spend some time with Stephen Jay. He is an incredible musician. Out of blue In it for nothing Something from anywhere At the time of his choosing Alone and confident Dennis, where can people find you? For the time being, I'm still there on Twitter at KosherD, K-O-S-H-E-R-D um, and Instagram at Kosher underscore D. Um, and like Dave said, the uh, hour-long uh, stand-up set is on YouTube. Tiny hat, big jokes. And Wolf, where can folks find you? Well, Dave, I am on Linktree at Linktree dot, uh, what is it? Linktree slash W Rambats? Sure. As for me, you can find my band, Ancient Enemy, on Bandcamp at bandcamp.com slash Ancient Enemy. Uh, we've got t-shirts. We've got albums. The entire album is up for streaming now on Bandcamp, so check us out. That is it for us. Our theme song is Welcome by New Sweet Breath. You can find that banger on its 1996 full-length Demolition Theater. And you can find more of Greg Markle's amazing music at gregmarklemusic.com. You can subscribe to Run Up Groups on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a rating and review, please. If you like us, share us around. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can email us at runupgrooves at gmail.com. For Wolf Rambats, I am Dave Fonseca signing off. You guys have a weird week. Yeah, yeah.